Byer here, welcoming you to Season 3. If you're new to the show, I hope you'll subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And let's get growing! Want to donate directly to the show? You can buy me a cup of coffee where your donation goes directly to support the Green Organic Garden Podcast. It helps for thing, pay for things like hosting the MP3 files, maintaining the website. It's super easy. I'll put the link in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening. Listeners, have you heard my most recent interview with J.M. Fortier? Did you know that he started an awesome new venture called Growers and Company, where they have a magazine that's printed that comes out twice a year that highlights the amazing farmers that he's taught personally. So you're going to learn from people who are practice, putting his practices into place on their farms. If you want to be a better farmer, you definitely want to subscribe to this magazine. That's going to be like a coffee table item on your shelf. And then the other thing, part of Growers and Company is there, he's created tools that he uses on his farm that he's like studied. You know, he got to travel all around the world when he wrote his book, The Market Gardener. If you don't have that, you absolutely have to get a copy of it. But he's, he's, he got to go travel to all these farms and then he would look at tools that they had in the hardware stores or using in these other farms, brought them back to his farm, you know, talked to a developer, came out with some really cool tools. Like he talks about his broad fork, the handles are just wood and that helps it make it light, but it's sturdy. It's just the exact kind of broad fork that I want. Um, They've got other really cool weeders and different things. And then he's got farmware that he designed that will keep you dry and keep you out there. I know with my, one of my big barriers was my garden shoes. So he's got boots and just great things that are stylish, comfortable, but most of all, they're going to keep you warm and dry when you're out in your garden doing all that hard work. So growers and company growers.co check it out get something for your favorite gardener definitely get a small scale farmers are changing the world t-shirt for your favorite farmer marker vendor do you belong to a csa i'll bet you want to get them a christmas present this year it doesn't have to be on time i know it might be late when you're hearing this but make sure you support growers.co um their stuff is super affordable the canadian exchange right now um, I just bought something for someone, um, a present for Kathy from the composters because I go to her laughter yoga with her. And I think it said it was like $25 and then, it, but it only took $20 out of my bank account. So I, I probably shouldn't be talking about the Canadian exchange, but I know his things are affordable. I research broad forks and what they cost. I, you know, it, it's a great deal. You will get so much use out of that tool. Welcome um, to, to the Green Organic Garden. It is Friday, February 26, 2021. I have two guests on the live. They're podcasters. So you're going to want to check out their podcast. They invited me to come do a summit with them. So that's exciting. Talking about homesteading, which is not something I talk about that Mike and I are homesteaders other than you guys know we built our house or Mike built the house and we've been, I don't usually consider ourselves that because we were doing it way before a lot of other people, I guess. And we put power in, in 2000. It was kind of funny, like right at the millennial, we went from like, you know, not having running water, not having electricity, 
we still use the outhouse so you know i don't know about that part but we, we have plumbing it's just a choice um people are always like are you nuts and i'm like once you have an outhouse not using it seems crazy like i love it that's me <laughs> anyway um my listeners are always like jackie we want to hear from your guests so here to talk to us today are drew and Lacey. so welcome to the show Thank oh, you. Thanks. So excited to be here. Thanks for having us. So where are you guys? I have not. I'm sorry. I have been like, it's just been crazy. I've not had time to really go through your website and stuff. Like, I don't even know where you guys are located. <laughs> That's okay. And I have not listened to a pod. Like my car has been broken down since January 18th. Yesterday is the first day I got to drive anywhere oh, by myself my treadmill broke so i haven't even got to listen to a podcast in almost a month um so so where are you guys we're in north carolina in the united states in north carolina okay uh, uh near greensboro i'm in northwest montana if you didn't know that and uh well tell us a little bit about your guys like how big is your place do you have a farm there or about your homestead yeah, so we actually have kind of transitioned. We we started in the in an urban setting and always knew we wanted we loved gardening there and we got chickens and bees. And then about eight years ago, we moved out to the a rural area. We have um, fifteen acres now, so we don't use all of that, but that's how much we've got access to. And it's funny because I usually don't do interviews with two people on the line because the sound <laughs> is sketchy. But since you're both here. Like one question I always ask couples, like, how'd you guys meet? <laughs> we met at college. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we were in, you know, we were met in the mountains of North Carolina and it was, we were young, very young. We got married very young. We had kids very young and um, we're still very young. <laughs> so you guys must be rock star millennials born between 1980 and 1995 actually drew is just outside of that he was born in 79 and i was born in 81 so i don't i don't fully identify as a millennial but i guess technically i'm in that yeah i don't <laughs> i don't like the idea of being called a millennial <laughs> that's because yeah. you haven't read my book yet rockstar millennial oh but yeah. see it's full of stories like people like you guys and there's definitely like my friend Daisy was born in 78 and I hear that there's like this Zionial and a yeah. lot of the people I interviewed do fit in that between 78 and 83. Mm -hmm. But um but definitely like I don't know. I think millennials are some of the hardest working, socially conscious, like that's why I'm writing this book. Um because the people I interview are not the lazy sit at Starbucks in your pajamas people <laughs> that most people picture with millennials that don't have a work ethic and want their you know whatever yeah. and um anyway and then the other funny thing is like i would have never thought of north carolina as a beautiful place but then like have you ever seen that longest ride movie about the bull rider that nicholas sparks wrote and the love story no, and like check it out. oh it's um well it's funny i worked on an indian reservation and they're so into bull riding and like so many people they follow them they go like to these rodeo they're really into rodeos and yada 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 and so like 
the longest ride is about this bull rider who falls in love with this artist girl and like he like lives on this giant ranch in north carolina they met she was going to college um i love that my husband and i met on a mountain like i quit college and came to plant trees and we met planting trees so kind of similar but different um so then what i do usually start up my interview is talking about your very first gardening experiences and since you guys said you were urban to begin with like who were you with were you with you like what were you growing and and how old were you when you first started gardening well that's a fine question yeah i have a very vivid memory of when i grew up in tampa florida and growing tomatoes up the side of my house that were like this this massive tomato vine that like it was probably like 15 feet tall but i just had this idea like my parents just let me go wild and they just gave me this big giant bottle of miracle grow and i would just spray that thing all the time and i grew these like massive tomatoes but it was like the most disappointing thing also because the tomatoes were like horrible <laughs> and I, i'm sure it had something <laughs> to do with the massive amounts of miracle grow but that's like my first memory of like actually gardening and trying to grow plants. And my, my grandparents were farmers. So I was, um, I kind of just would go there and, and be enchanted by what was happening on the farm and then go back to city life. And we didn't even maintain our yard because we lived in a city where the city property, it was a city property that the city took care of it. So until Drew and I really um, got married, uh, that's when we started just having pots of plants as anywhere we could put them. You know, mm-hmm. we lived in a on a apartment and then um, would just take advantage of the stoop and start growing everything we could from cherry tomatoes to herbs and flowers and all kinds of things and um, realized quickly that we needed a yard. <laughs> so how did you learn how to grow organically then? Um, I think it was just a step-by-step process. We just didn't want to use chemicals and um, and and started learning about companion planting and and how you could you know put basil with your tomatoes or you could grow some rosemary to fend off certain kinds of moths and things like that. And so we just it was it was sort of a natural transition. I don't really remember making a decision, but we just never bought chemicals. I think it was just part of our principles, you yeah. know, like we didn't want to consume chemicals, mm-hmm. you know, synthetic chemicals. So why would we put them on our plants? Yeah. You know? Yeah. It just made sense. And also it costs more, you know, like we were very poor at the time living on like really, really minimal income. And I think it was cheaper actually to go organic than to pay for, you know, fertilizers and whatnot. So yeah, I don't know. It wasn't, it wasn't a ever a choice to go the non-organic route for us. I'm so curious. What did you guys go to college for? Were you science majors? <laughs> No. no, I so I have a degree in sculpture. Yeah. That I do not use at all anymore, but yeah, yeah, that's what my degree was in. And I started as an art major too, but then when I saw him graduate and not really have a job or any opportunities, I was like, well, maybe I'll finish with a Spanish degree instead. So that's what I, that my degree is in Spanish. And she know. does not use that at all either. Nope. <laughs> not even in a restaurant. <laughs> I went to art school too. I but I changed to liberal arts because I was like, I want to learn more about stuff that inspires my art. I can learn how to paint, which I did learn how to paint more from like the watercolor books that I bought. I did have yeah. a couple of good art classes, but yeah, for sure. 
Um, but I also like I find it so interesting. Like now I'm thinking, like, why didn't I go into graphic design? I don't even know that like right. that was a thing back then as I'm applying for graphic design jobs because people have always told me they're like, your you know, your whatever superpower is making things pop anyway. Nice. Um long total tangent there. I had somebody yeah. go through my resume the other day and he's like you should call yourself a digitally savvy communicator who excels at presentations. And I'm like, where did you get that from? <laughs> He's like, well, that's what your resume says to me. If you could just get rid of all this other blah, 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 blah. He's like, that's what I want to know. And I was like, well, that's why you're the professional resume guy. Um, the big tip he gave me was don't ever make it a PDF. You need to make it a word document. And like, you know, I'm like, why do you accept pdfs just tell me i need to make it a word document so if anybody's out there wondering why your resumes you're not getting job interviews it's because the little computer thing is saying we want a word document don't believe them when they say they take a pdf uh all right guys tell us about something that grew well this year Oh, what grew well this year? It was a real wet year here in North Carolina. So, you know, the tomatoes eventually kind of just rotted out and we had some issues with that, but we, we had a really good bean year, really good bean year. In fact, we're eating them regularly out of cans and frozen and they're amazing. So it was probably a really good bean year. <laughs> I grew rice for the first time. Oh, that's right. Oh, tell me about that. What kind of rice? So Carolina Gold, it's a uh, heirloom variety mm. from the Carolinas that nobody really grows anymore. But um, yeah, it was. But I, I grew these like or made these little like kind of mini trench patties, and um, we have an acre and a half. Well, that's what I was gonna say. Doesn't rice yeah. grow in a patty? What does that mean? But uh, maybe you said you guys had a lot of rain. Yeah, but you really don't need the moisture that you would think you need. So primarily the patties are there for weed suppression. So if you can kind of make a plan to, you know, either weed by hand or just not have a lot of weeds, you don't have to have standing water all the time, at least for this variety. Um, but yeah, we would pump the water out of the pond and um, just fill the patties each morning. And by the end of the day, the water was gone, but it, it did the trick for us. Mm. Yeah, we have a lot of rice that we need to haul. I also grew cotton, which was a fun thing to grow. And yeah. and I will say that the cotton um, was such a surprise because I had no idea how beautiful the cotton flower is. It's just the most magnificent and delicate little flower that um, I'll grow it forever now just to have that flower. So, yeah, if you haven't grown cotton, give it a try. Okay. So I bought this rice called farro that I'm going to grow next year oh, for cool. the first time. So yeah. I'm curious about the, I am worried about the hauling. Like, how does that work? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I like kind of looked up this makeshift kind of hand crank uh, grain mill that you turn it, you like glue rubber pads on it and make it into a hauler. But um, I'd say it's like 80% effective. So the next step is like a five hundred to a thousand dollar like home hauler, mm. and uh, we just can't justify that quite yet. So that rice is too cheap, I guess, to yeah. <laughs> invest that much. <laughs> well, and how much rice would you have? All right, how big is your guys's place? 
So we have 15 acres, but the garden is probably about a quarter of an acre total. Yeah. If you added it all up, it's, we kind of have moved it. We've, we've got a little bit of all over the place kind on of, our property, but. Kind of visualize like a permaculture type of garden. So it's mm -hmm. kind of meandering around, not necessarily like a, a you know, a big square with yeah. rows. Mm -mm. you need to help me visualize this better because like we have deer so our garden has to be in a fenced area like how, yeah. does, how does that work that you're for sure. we have deer we have deer yeah we, but we also have sheep and we have guardian dogs so the guardian dogs kind of keep the deer at bay and then this year we also invested in a couple of those motion activated sprinklers to uh they work real well. Yeah, those kept the deer away. I was just here. One of like, it's funny. This lady that lives down in the neighbor in like town said she has those, and I was like, "Hey, did you see Caroline said she uses those um, motion activated sprinklers?" Because that's how. Like, how does that work? Like, instead of a light, it's a sprinkler that hooks up to your hose. I was like, motion activated sprinkler. How does that work? They just don't like to get wet. So if they walk up to the garden where it's set up. No, I understand that part. How does okay. the setup work? Like you hook up a motion activator to your hose? Yes, yeah, just like a sprinkler that has a, like you're saying, like those lights, you know, the motion activated lights. Same kind of thing, but it's just a sprinkler. Yeah, you buy it as that. is. Yeah. I am definitely going to have to look into that. That yes. sounds like a game changer. And then you're so this is my question about the guardian dogs is so the sheep so we had sheep because we got the sheep for the manure but we don't want a big dog because we don't want the dog poop in with the manure <laughs> like how does that work Well they they don't come into the garden area they're kind of on the perimeter but our garden is kind of like right up next to the house so the sheep are usually kind of circling outside farther between the garden and where the deer would come from. So but isn't the point of the sheep or the point of our sheep was to build pasture land? Like, I don't know. I guess I just can't visualize it, but, <laughs> but our sheep were like, it's like we lost the sheep because something got them and, Oh yeah. We need yeah. some kind of guard animal. So we've thought about like a llama or guinea hens or llama and guinea hens or yeah. I would Me never too. be a good person to have a dog that's gonna sleep outside anyway. The dog's gonna want to be in the house by me, I'm sure. I don't know. Yeah, it can't be they're not pets, they're you know, working animals. So they yeah. sleep with the sheep. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Um because I do miss the sheep and I met like oh my gosh it was like the babies were six days old like I never like I never got to have my own kids I never felt so close to being a mom and then to lose them was just I don't know if I'm ever gonna yeah. get over that it's hard it every year sure. we lose some and it is it's always hard like the baby that same day like came up to me and let it me uh it was just heartbreaking and then I just lost my chicken this year. I had a chicken that like would sit on my shoulder, my little eagle. And I went down to get the chicken. Like, so we've been, we had a grizzly bear last year, like take out our chicken house. So we've been like 
bringing the oh, chickens in at night and like they sleep in cages in my bathtub so my husband can like rebuild the whole chicken pen and we can put like electric fence around it and and now i just lost my chicken which i cannot figure out like there's no sign of a struggle there's no feathers like i guess an owl must have came and just went and swooped him up but like i don't even know he was outside like they i don't know i don't know what happened i don't know a weasel yeah. came in and got him the whole predator thing is just making me bleh. anyway on a different note what was a challenge for you guys this year what's something you would try differently hmm. uh, that's, a, that's a tough question i feel like not that everything was perfect but we sort of got in a really great groove this year and sort of ironed out more gardening beds and um you know when we moved out here it was almost too much uh after being in the city you know you have this small less than an acre to grow and and so you really can't there aren't a lot of decisions to make because you just have what you have um and then when we moved out here you know you really can you can do anything like there's just so many more uh, opportunities and a lot more to manage of course now we've got sheep and dogs and all kinds of other things to deal with and so that became a little bit overwhelming and we didn't have a lot of successful gardens over the last six or so years. I want to say, you know, we would have tomatoes here and there and that kind of thing. But last year we really, I think kind of got into a good space with our garden. Finally, it's in a place where, um, I don't know, it just was working. It was working well last year. Yeah. We used it as our, uh, COVID, um, therapy. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so I think it worked, it worked good for that. Yeah. I think it will continue this year, you know. Um, yeah, that maybe actually was a, the ticket. We weren't going anywhere or doing anything. Right. So we, <laughs> we had a lot of time on our hands to, to focus more. I think so the, what do you guys do? Do you sell produce? Like, do you live off of your farm by marketing it somehow? Like, how are you guys making money? Do you have jobs? Yeah, actually, that's a great question because I think um, I, for the rec for the most part, I think most homesteaders have to have an outside source of income, and we do. Um, we actually teach people how to use essential oils, and and we sell essential oils, and that is the bulk of our income. Um, and because it's um, the way that it is, you know, we can sell online, we can sell in per per in person, and we own our own business, so it has a lot of flexibility, which is really ideal for our um for our homesteading lifestyle too and so We're do you like actually grow the flowers to make the oils from or something How no no we'd never be able to produce enough to be able to supply um so we actually partner with a company that we just really um that we just really feel passionate about and align with really well um and they have um, given us the opportunity to grow a business that has supported our our farm so yeah it's been amazing Were you going to say something, Drew? Oh, yeah. I was going to say, and, and we've also recently, like this year, we've uh, released a new coaching program so that we actually are helping people learn how to homestead. Um, you know, whether it's like you're just starting out or you want to kind of maximize things. We both have permaculture certifications and regenerative agriculture. So it's kind of like, you know, our next step is like, let's give back a little bit and help people kind of learn how to do it if they have questions or need a little extra guidance so that's kind of our newest venture in all of it 
Well, it seems like that would be a good way to segue into the summit that's coming up. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, so that was our that. idea. Yeah, our idea was, uh, you know what, like, let's see if we can get homesteaders from all over the world to uh, give us a couple of videos just of what they're doing at their homestead, kind of like a worldwide homestead tour. Um, for people that are starting out homesteading that need a little boost of confidence, or maybe it's their second year going into this growing season and they just, you know, need a few, a few more ideas. Cause I mean, there's so much around homesteading when you get to animals and vegetables and perennials and, you know, so we just thought it'd be really fun to gather everybody up and um, bring everybody together and make this kind of like a uh, virtual tour of, mm -hmm what everybody's got going on. So yeah, so many people, sorry, so many people have reached out to us about, you know, what do we have going on? And, and a lot of people are really interested in living more self-sufficiently these days. There's just a, a huge movement of people who want to get back into, you know, the things that maybe their parents kind of ran away from sort of thing, like back to the land, back to gardening, back to having chickens and bees and things like that. And so we just see this need of uh, people looking and seeking advice and mentorship and information. And so that's out of that, we, we thought, well, this would be a really great way to reach a lot of people and help a lot of people. Well, and now, especially with that governor or mayor, whoever down in Texas, who was like, well, you should be responsible for your own energy. <laughs> it's like, oh, he was hysterical in some ways, but it did get me thinking about, you know, it's funny because Mike and I have been doing it for so long. Like we just went through two years without running water. Like yeah. again, wow. because our, the well that hooks up to our house is a 20 foot well and then we finally dug a 500 we lived the first six years without running water and then and then we finally dug a 560 foot well in i think 2011 it was two years before we could even hook that up um and then like again i said we have the out out like one of the, somebody said to me they're like and then our water froze we didn't have water from i think july january 18th to or no it wasn't that long but like we've had frozen water for like two weeks now or maybe it was even the well that's hooked to the house like february is the lowest of the water table you know and like i think it might have ran july i'm not even sure what happened if it froze or the drain is still froze actually so my poor husband has to haul the water the dirty dishwater out of the house in a bucket but usually oh, like that is a key like i'm like six years without running water no problem if you have water on the property i will never live again without water on the property where we have to actually haul the water to the property like having the spigot right outside our house made it doable for the last year so then for two years we had it where like the one hose was hooked to the other but during the winter you know that doesn't work you can't have a hose sitting on top of the ground so yeah. for two years during the winter we were back again to not having running water but the drains work we always have a wood stove going i can cook anything you ever needed on a wood stove um because you can make like a little oven thing like i still make the turkey the pumpkin pie because why heat the propane oven and use the propane when the wood's burning anyway and it makes a great tasting Anyway, but to me, the key is drains. 
you've got to have the drains working um, if you're going to live without running water. I don't want to haul dirty water out. Um, and then what was the other thing I was going to say really quick? My husband always makes sure that my five-gallon buckets are full. Like, he never, ever complains. There's never, ever been a once. You're using too much water. When I first moved in, he's like, what? You don't want to use paper plates? And I'm like, no, we're not using paper plates. Yes, I'm going to wash all these dishes. Yes, we're eating on regular china. And has never once complained about. And that was, like I said, six years hauling water to the house before we dug the first well. Anyway... Wow. what's your tip for like if you guys were starting all over you said you've had a lot of challenges let's say we go back six years like what's something you would tell people that you would do differently i think um don't start doing things the first year mm -hmm. that that'd be observe the first year plan think about where your garden's going to be or where your animals are going to be but don't um, don't put anything in. It's real hard, but the hard, the hard, the hard year, the wait and the wait and watch how the sun goes across your property and watch how the water yes. falls off your property. Or do you want to cut down some trees or you know, yeah. make a new spot? But you know, you put in that garden bed and then you decide you need to take some trees down and they're gonna land across your garden bed and now Or your house. Or your house, yeah. <laughs> right. or, or, depending on yeah where you're starting at yeah yeah there's a lot of um yeah i tell people live in a tent for a year Ooh, good idea yeah. you know yeah. because you want to know and it, and it's where the sun shines in june is different than where the sun's shining in august you know right. are you getting early morning sun in that spot are you getting shade in the afternoon you know and if you plant that tree how big is it going to grow like we have an apple tree that we planted in 2005 that nothing underneath it now gets sun and all those garden beds under there you know had to be moved and yeah we're for sure observing like i'm lucky my husband built a passive solar house like he designed it so the kitchen's in the north because you're going to heat your kitchen the living room's in the south it stays cooler in the summer you know we put up um you know i put up filtered like uh curtains that let light in but at least it it keeps it from quite getting so hot and then it's warmer in the oh, winter yeah. like there's just so many things you don't realize for sure that wait a year if you can live in a tent for a year on your property i mean we're on 20 acres like kind of mm -hmm. like you guys are um and it's been slow it's been very gradual i mean we started with um beds and just like he put these like little i call them tents like out of fencing and now we have you know i don't know two 300 foot fences around one around the house and then the one around the mini farm nice. but it's been very very slow slow and gradual so yeah. great advice sorry mm -hmm. <laughs> so the waiting year before we get to the root of things we're going to thank our sponsors and affiliate links uh this episode is brought to you by the homestead open house virtual summit homesteading simplified 20 plus experts including yours truly to help you find the confidence you need to make homesteading 
work. There will be people talking about popular homestead styles like permaculture, homesteading, organic gardening, and regenerative agriculture. There will be gardening, animals, preserving the hard rate, harvest, everything from getting seeds started to dehydrating, canning, fermenting, freezing, drying. They'll be talking about chickens, rabbits, pigs, sheep, cows, goats. There's a live question and answer where you can spend an hour with the speakers, get your questions answered. Join a breakout session with fellow homesteaders, only $9. Three days of training, March 14th through 16th. Everything from annual gardening, composting, growing perennials, chickens and small animals, large animals, preserving the harvest, sustainability, the vendor section. So make sure you join us March 14th through 16th. Make sure you click on my affiliate link. It's only $9, but I get a little tiny, small portion of that. Um, they'll be talking about ideas for seed starting, hoop houses, raised beds, trellises, ways to grow annuals, herbs, traditional garden cottages, traditional cottage gardens, um, growing perennials, fruits, nuts, berries, guilds, ideas for having success with perennials, food forests, Chickens and small animals, layers, broilers, turkeys, ducks, rabbits, systems, and tractors. Large animals, they'll be talking about rotational grazing, regenerative grazing, sheep, pigs, goats, cows, preserving the harvest, fermenting, dehydrating, canning, meat curing, freezing, drying, sustainability, composting to toilets, different types of buildings, wallapinis, gray water. Um, so make sure you pick your package. Let's see. Three days for $9 or upgrade to one year for $29. Get registered. Use your information to log into the open house starting at the 14th. Watch the videos each day and get ready for your best year of homesteading. You don't have to be a homesteader to gain incredible value from this. For only $9, this open house is changing lives Again, what are people saying? So many different voices and perspectives and so many helpful tips. Pep talks for parents too, says Kelly. Just listening to the different coaches and approaches has brought me comfort and tears of gratitude and joy, says Liz. So hope to see you there. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. And now let's get to the root of things. How about, well, this is the part of the show we call getting the root of things. So like, do you have a least favorite activity to do in the garden? Something you got to force yourself to get out there and do? I would say uh, weeding in August is mine. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I think weeding can be very, like, zen-like. But if it's hot, then, yeah, no, it's terrible. So. <laughs> and by August, that's when all the weeds have really. And, like, if you yeah. let a bed get away from you. Like, I always talk about, like, people say weeding. And I'm like... There's the zen-like, like you're talking about, Lacey, where you're sitting on the side yeah. of the bed and you're enjoying it and you're picking like a little bit of weeds out of a, whereas like my husband's mini farm, I don't want to have anything to do with that. But like the garden beds that are close to the house, that it's a little bit here and a little bit there, I don't mind. Mm -hmm. Also, there are more deep beds that I can sit on the side of, whereas the mini farm is all, you're down on your Rose, yeah. Two two totally different activities, I find. So on the flip side, what's your favorite activity to do in the garden? Plant, harvest. <laughs> I think mine is last year I really enjoyed pruning tomatoes. That was kind mm. of a, a different one, but I I really liked that. Yeah. 
I, I just love walking past herbs and, and grabbing them and smelling them. It's probably one of my, my favorites too. Lacey has a pretty nice herb spiral that she maintains too. That's pretty fun. Tell us about that. Well, herb spirals are just a fun way to kind of grow your, your herbs in a way that, you know, they like a, a lot of them like a lot of good drainage. So it's real good for lavender and, um, and other, I don't know, thyme, all of the ones that I really, nothing hasn't liked it in there. Um, but it's just a fun way to kind of keep it all grouped together and you go around the spiral and you've got oregano and, um, basil and parsley and, um, all kinds of different things. Um, and, and just, we used some old rubble brick that we had from a demolition project and built up a spiral and uh, you could keep making it bigger, but it's nice to have some that are like high up in the middle and then lower down as it spirals around. Um, there are some really amazing plans for spiral gardens if it's something that you want to do, but I'm not really a plan follower. So <laughs> we sort of just did it and, and it works and I like it a lot. It's right in the center of our garden. I was going to ask you about that because I have kind of seen those. So is it like three feet high? Is it like, like, do you have like a rock border? I haven't yeah, seen pictures of it. Yeah. I mean, you can, you can look up and see how different people have done them. But um, I mean that really in the middle, there's a lot of sort of stone underneath so that, you know, they just so much drainage and a lot of rockiness for these herbs that like that to grow in. And then as you get down closer to the ground, some of your other herbs that don't mind to have their feet wet or um, the compacted soil or whatever underneath can do better. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's kind of, ours isn't as neat and tidy as some of them are because we use the brick rubble. So it's not as um, maybe stout as it could be, but, um, but it's cute. And it's kind of just like a, um, more of like an English cottage garden style, I guess you could say. It's kind of like where some people have fountains in the middle of their garden. Ours is the herb spiral. Yeah. Oh, but there's so many benefits to that. Like it's drawing in the beneficial insects and the pollinators and I can just smell it. And listeners don't know, but I'm going to release an episode pretty quick here with an herb specialist who's going to talk about that drainage. Oh, cool. Oh, neat. Um, Important. Yeah. She said she was over in the Mediterranean and looking at like Greece and these these like rock and and these weird places that the lavender and the rosemary was thriving and she was like wow look at that horrible quality type of sandy soil no wonder i'm putting my herbs in this you know rich you know soil we have over here no wonder they're not thriving and how changing that environment was just a big game changer so i'm excited to see how it works for me next year yeah yeah, for sure. Okay, how about Aria? Best gardening advice? Best gardening advice you've ever received? Oh, I'm sure someone has told us, but I think the two things are plan for water and weeding. That I think when you start like just focusing on that and less about like what you're going to grow, where you're going to grow it, and really just focusing on okay, how can I maximize watering and weeding? It just makes your life so much easier. Um, and it makes your garden more successful and it makes you enjoy your gardening so much more. So, uh, we have a pretty elaborate drip system that Drew's installed, um, so that, you know, we're never, and it's on a timer and, you know, so we don't have to, if we forget a day to water, it's fine. It's taking care of itself. So I would say, try to build an infrastructure that makes it, it, it fits your lifestyle and your routine, 
um, and don't just do it, you know, but by the book, so to speak, but by your own needs and, and desires and goals. So did you find that elaborate drip system was a big financial investment i feel like that's where we're held up but maybe we're just imagining it's a bigger financial investment than it is you know we've built it over the years so it wasn't necessarily like if i stopped to think about it we probably maybe have 300 to 400 dollars maybe in it but that's over three years so we kind of just gradually grew it um with as we expanded our garden and um, so what did you do first and did you say you have a pond that's leaking into your rice paddies not leaking into it but close to it um did you build the pond or the pond was there the pond was already there it's an acre and a half pond so it's a it's a pretty big pond. we have a small pond on our property and we have tried to build other ponds and actually i would recommend that if you don't have a pond it's for sure a good thing to have on almost any property just as a backup water source to collect water off like your roof or whatever. But um, if you rigged it up just right, you really could use a pond that was at a higher elevation to water your whole garden. And that would be really smart. Yeah, for sure. Well, JM48 talks about building a, a rainwater pond in his book, The Market Gardener. And Mike, because like, we used to have a backhoe business and when he had his backhoe, he dug it. It's just finding that plastic liner, the money to invest in the plastic liner, the piping. But I feel like we're getting to the point where like we've had some of these other big investments and and that should be a, a bigger priority is our mm-hmm. irrigation and the water and the pond. So I was really curious about that. Yeah. And, you know, if you get someone that knows how to build ponds, at least in our area, we have pretty high clay content in our soil so you can do it without a plastic liner um and there's benefits to just kind of letting it leak you just have to kind of decide what your priority is though because you know if it does kind of drain out you could have just a mud hole until the next rain so mm-hmm. you know it's kind of i think our problem is going to be the opposite i don't think we have clay soil i think you're sitting on the like glacial the rocky mountain yeah and we get drought like we did not have rain from july 26th till i think october 15th wow yeah yeah we're that's why i'm gonna plant the faro and the lentils because they are dry farming they're growing east of the mountains where they have even less rain than we do yeah yeah that makes sense we have the ops uh sorry uh how about a favorite tool if you could move if you had to move and could only take one tool with you what could you not live without did i ask that yeah no not yet mine is um i don't even know what you it's like a large i call it the chop oh i don't know what it is that it's like a got a seven foot six foot handle so you don't even have to bend over to use it and then it's like um what did you say like six inches wide so it's like a big almost like a shovel combined with a hoe kind of thing and uh it's very stout so you can do pretty much anything with it dig a dig a new row or do weeding hmm. i can't even think what you're talking about a big chopper you chop hoe. Yeah. see in my mind i don't even have one <laughs> but i really want one and i can see where i would use it all the time is a stirrup hoe 
Um, so yeah, I think we have a number of different tools that I try to make work like a stirrup hoe, but I need to just get one. <laughs> yeah. And then a really good shovel. I will say like a really good, um, not a hand trial, but like a, a big stepping in shovel is like just changes your life. A good shovel with a pointy end. <laughs> so do you guys have to go to the grocery store? Like how much of your food that you guys eat are you producing? Well, we have four children. So I feel like that answers that question for you. We, yeah, we have to go to the grocery store and I, we do better all the time and less and less, you know, it's more like a convenience. We, you know, there's some really cool things going on that um, we have a community of like-minded and farmer friendly people. Like our friends grow, uh, do dairy. So we get our milk from them and um, we've become much more not needing things at the grocery store as much, but, but, you know, there are some things that we have to go for. We can't keep enough produce, especially in the winter for our kids to, I mean, they just, they go through a bag of apples in a sitting and um, things like that. We have to, we do have to supplement at the grocery store, but when it comes to like winter, um, or I'm sorry, summer and in the on season for the garden. And yeah, no, we actually very infrequently need to go to the grocery store, maybe just for like noodles or something. But, um, but yeah, it, it's nice to see that, that the growth that we're able to like last year, our real goal was to put up more of our summer produce and be able to not have to buy tomato sauce and, you know, not have to buy green beans and not have to buy, you know, um, the veggies that we go through in the winter as much. And it's definitely something that we're getting better and better about, but uh, it's a learning experience because, you know, you skip that generation and we're kind of learning on our own, right? We're figuring it out as we go. So um, what are some things you've learned there? Like mistakes or big challenges or like something you're like, I'm never doing that again. Well, canning just because you can can, isn't really a good thing to do can things you're going to eat <laughs> like, right yeah we've true. canned a lot of things just because we could and then we never ate them and they just sat there for years and years taking up shelf space and um so we really try to focus in on the things that we we as a family consume and like to eat um so you know i don't know drew any insights onto that I, yeah i would say the same thing like also though like when you're preserving you can can stuff and like we have two extra freezers that we keep our meat in um and a lot of that space was taken up with like chicken broth and different things and this year we really got into like even canning chicken broth so that we're not taking up freezer space and it's easier to use when it comes to cooking time yeah it's true so um kind of deciding your storage space where you have the most storage space and you know if the power goes out canned goods don't go bad where freezer freezer goods you're gonna mm -hmm. have to use up depending on the time of year. We or also have unplug your freezer by accident, like I did the other. <laughs> right. Oh my goodness. Well, it does. It happens every once in a while where it'll uh, somebody leaves the door open or you know one thing or another happens and it shuts off. Um, but we do have a goal of getting a root cellar set up in our crawl space, which should be hopefully this year we'll be able to get to that. We, you know, we have so many projects going on. It's kind of that, like you were talking about prioritizing that hasn't made it to the top yet, but I'm hoping this year it does. 
Yeah, and storage is so key. Like, we just got that freezer this year, finally, and it has been a game ch- I mean, it's just amazing. Like, I love it. I'm like, why don't we buy this so much sooner? Like, and my husband's always wanted one, and I just, yeah, for sure, a freezer. We want a root cellar. He's dug out the spaces, but money, and I don't know. Like, I, I don't understand really necessarily why we don't have a it should be a priority too i don't know but it's all something i mean i've my husband grows so much food it's just amazing he does what he does um how about a favorite recipe what do you like to eat or cook from the garden i love making salsa i think it's there's nothing tastier than a fresh tomato chopped up and like there's just something so nourishing about about that I don't know. Salsa. Yeah, salsa. we like during the summer we do do a lot of like uh, it's like mozzarella cheese, tomatoes, onions, mm. and like balsamic Caprice vinegar. Salad, yeah, yeah. Well, and the the salsa, like the challenges that I, what I did last year that I was so excited about is I was able to make salsa with literally only stuff from our garden. So we had onions growing, we had garlic, we had. Um, I use the herbs from pepper. The pepper, exactly. So it just was, and it tasted so, so good. The only thing that I didn't grow was the salt. <laughs> <laughs> the what? The salt? Yeah. <laughs> I finally found a recipe for salsa. I finally grew enough tomatoes that I was able to make a few batches of tomato sauce and a few batches of my own salsa. And like I've made it in the past, but I th- I don't think I ever cooked it before, and this recipe called to cook it, and or hmm. I don't know. I just found the recipe that was like so perfect. Plus, having tomatoes that I grew and that actually grew red and ripe on the vine, which we just happened to have a year. I don't know what happened this year that it worked, but our tomato. I got hooked on tomatoes this year. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I'm a total salsa junkie, so I can relate to that. How about a favorite internet resource? Where do you guys find yourselves surfing on the web? You know, it's interesting because um, I think we kind of created our own resource. <laughs> we started a Facebook group this year, um, and it's just become this really great space where people can ask questions and get answers and post ideas and um, just kind of developing a community space. So I think that honestly is my favorite place to be and, and check and get ideas and share ideas and all of that. So Yeah, we, we kind of started it like that, just with the idea of like, let, kind of like the Homestead Open House, like, let's just bring people together and, mm. you know, learn from each other. And I, I'd say that's, if I have a question, that's usually the place I go to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's open to anyone. So it's just, um, you can get to it from um, Facebook, you just go to facebook.com groups and then the Schoolhouse Life and that's us. And we love for that community to keep growing. It's, it's gone crazy over the last year. In fact, um, I'm shocked at how big the community has gotten. Yeah, I have not looked at my, and I went and just looked at my stats the other day and like, I don't know what happened on November 29th, but something happened and like my numbers have like, skyrocketed (laughs) i was like in january is like twice as much as i've done in the first five years of my show like my downloads and page visits and like even my instagram is finally starting to take off out after all these years like 
it's amazing. I'm still trying to figure because I didn't put an episode out on that day. Like I must have posed like somebody must have put me on there. I can't even remember being a guest. Like I'm trying to figure it out what happened on November 29th <laughs> that like sparked this huge. Um, so new listeners, hey, glad you're here. Anyway, <laughs> we have like 10 minutes, so I'm gonna try to. Um, do we do a book? We have two more questions. A favorite reading material, a book or web blog or website you can recommend. Oh, okay. So right now, I think that changes and shifts. And we, I, there's, I'm going to share two actually, because they're both like my, my sure. go-tos. But one is Southern Exposure or Southern, um, oh, what is the name of that book? Southeast. Southeast Gardener's Handbook, maybe by Ira Wallace, but she makes one for all the areas now. And it is hands down the best gardening book there is, um, especially if you're just getting started. She tells you when to plant, what to plant, where, you know, all the companion planting. There's a great scheduler in there. It's a very visual visual book, which for me is is huge. And then um, I have grown to love Monty Don. If you don't know who he is, he's a British gardener that just has, he's, at, he's got several shows you can find in various places. Um, but Drew bought me his book last year. Um, and it's, some the gardens of long meadow or something like that if you look up monty don books you'll find it and he goes um month by month in what he's got going on in his garden and um it's just it's my favorite thing because we i guess a lot of what he can grow is very similar to what we can grow and so um it's really relatable and his the way he talks is just really uh romantic and i don't know it's how i feel about my garden so um i love that True. What would you add? Well, I, I like the the Southeast Gardener handbook too. Yeah. I'm a little jealous of Monty Don. I feel like he get, <laughs> I feel like he gets a little more loving sometimes. Oh, stop! <laughs> um, but I, I'm currently reading the uh, a food forest book, so how to grow like mushrooms and animals in a um, in a forest environment. So that that's my my what I'm reading right now. Uh, vegetable awesome. gardening the name of her book i just looked it up vegetable gardening um and it says in the southeast but you can look you know there now i know that it's expanded to have more than that more than just the southeast what i like about hers too is she like gives you like um you know like when the dogwood is blooming or when the irises come out you know do this or do that so Mm -hmm. it's it's very much by the seasons because you know with weather as crazy as it right now it's maybe not like planting by a certain date is not the right thing to do yeah and we're book people so if you saw our shelves it would be i mean just piles i mean we have books like out the wazoo and i already have like six more gardening books elliot coleman books i want to get and and things like that to add to our list so i interviewed ira wallace and she was just so gracious and eloquent and sweet and i'll have to replay that for my listeners because it was a while back yeah i've seen her speak several times she lives in virginia lovely And she's just an incredible resource. All right. Here's the doozy. If there's one change you would like to see to create a greener world, what would it be? For example, is there a charity organization you're passionate about or project you'd like to see put into action? Like, what do you feel is the most crucial issue facing our planet in regards to the environment, either locally, nationally, or on a global scale? That's a loaded question. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Well, it's my favorite. (laughs) It's a good one. Yeah, Drew just came back from a a regenerative agriculture training um, over the last four 
days and um, it was intensive, but I mean, I think that is really where both of our hearts lie and just the like sort of holistic way that we should be participating in nature. And, 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 you know, I really feel like everyone should have their hands in the dirt, you know, until you have your hands in the dirt, you almost don't even deserve to eat. And that sounds real extreme, but I feel like it's true. If you, if you want to eat food, you need to know where it came from. You need to understand what it takes to kill an animal. If you're going to eat meat, right? Like it's a, I think a disconnect in society and culturally that, um, that would fix a lot of the problems that we have uh, both, um, you know, like societally speaking, but also just mentally speaking, I think if people realized, you know, what the, what the cost of living was and also how fulfilling it was to participate in all of those processes, I think it just would change, just change the world. And so that was a long answer. And I don't know of a specific organization that, um, you know, building and growing on that, but, um, I'd say the Savory Institute. Yeah. Okay. Working hard on that. Yeah. yeah. That was perfect. I just super quick. Like, are you guys on grid or off grid? We're on grid. (laughs) Well, thank you guys so much for sharing with everybody. Tell everybody about the summit, the dates and how they sign up. There's a a fee, but it's a very small fee. Right. And all that kind of info. Actually. (laughs) Yeah. So it's the homestead openhouse.com. The the homestead openhouse.com. Yeah. Um, it's $9 and we have scholarships. If you can't afford the $9, you know, let us know. But the idea is, you know, we have a team of people helping us put this together and they deserve to get paid too. So we're just trying to, trying to make it as reasonable as accessible as we can for people, but mm-hmm. still, you know, be fair to everybody. And the content that is going to like, I mean, really, it's, I'm just blown away at how much great content we're going to have. And I would have paid way probably hundreds of dollars to get the same amount and have actually (laughs) we've been to a lot of places we've traveled near and far to get the kind of information that you're going to be able to get in your your home um from your you know computer in three days i mean it's just going to be we have someone uh from sweden um people from australia israel israel all over the world all over columbia yeah Yeah. over the u.s um, and uh, like varying levels and in, in interest too. Um, so we're really excited that you're joining us and bringing all your incredible experiences. I can't believe you said you don't homestead. You homestead more than probably 90% of the other homesteaders in the world. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, it's just going to be such an inspiration. And I think the real goal is just to help people see how they can implement little things um, in whatever they're doing, because it doesn't, you don't have to overhaul your lifestyle to be able to, um, to just be just a little bit more self-sufficient and feel more connected to your, um, you know, your life. (laughs) I know. Well, like, like the, like when I was, I'm like, well, I could talk about firewooding for like an hour. Like last fall, I was thinking because like I'm married to a logger and like, I won't even split a piece of wood. That's not like, I'm so spoiled. Like, I'm like, I look at some people, I'm like, why are you even hitting that? Like, do you know how many knots that has? Like, you should never have cut that tree down. You should have cut this tree. Like what I've learned about, getting firewood and just like there's so many things that i've learned after being because i grew up like 17 miles outside of new york like i'm in the total my husband grew up on a 1200 acre ranch but like what i've learned over the years and just 
how like it, it's amazing and what people are you know like i said we're being inundated by people they're moving in left and right and i'm worried about fire wildfires and just yeah i think uh i think it's going to be a great thing so i'm excited to talk and speak and present and yeah um anyway thank you guys so much i have two minutes before my next call okay. you guys probably you said you had to be yeah, there so yeah. we will talk and connect and listeners again it's the homestead open house summit your guys's website is schoolhouse life they have a podcast they have a facebook group um and just uh send them some yeah, love let's thanks guys yeah, thank, thank you, you so much have a great day bye hey everyone i just wanted to remind you that growers and co jm4ta's new adventure has amazing farm wear. it's super comfortable i got mike and i each matching small scale growers are changing the world t-shirts because they really are we've got to nail down our food systems jm Fortier is like the world renowned market farmer who has taught so many people how to do how to replicate the systems he has he's got the growers and co farm where he wants to highlight um all the people who are doing the amazing work the magazine that highlights the farmers who have gone through his program who have put his practices into place you know mandy girth i'm sure we're going to read about in there someday because she's one of them um it's a great magazine it's produced like the kind of thing you want to put on your tabletop um his farmware is super comfortable i love our t-shirts but most of all mike and i are already arguing about where is the broad fork going it is heavy duty it is just exactly i'm telling you i have researched broad fork i've been wanting to get a second one it's totally affordable um don't be scared of the canadian exchange rate they have great customer service they answer you right back um if you email them if you have any questions so growers and co hey everyone make sure you join us for the homestead open house virtual summit it's only nine dollars homesteading simplified march 14th to the 16th with a live question and answer on the 17th 20 plus experts to help you find the confidence you need to make homesteading work maybe you've had some land you just got your first property you go outside and you seems like there's so many things to do where do you start do you plant seeds compost pile get your chickens pull your weeds plant fruit trees build a barn sheeps cows the list goes on how do you make a decision how about making a list to do when to do it and how to do it they have gathered experts in the world of homesteading together from all over the world to give you the best tips take a tour of homesteads learn from them take confidence in your own abundant homestead super easy to get in access for only nine dollars make sure you click on my affiliate link so i get a little tiny chunk of that um and join us march 14th through 16th hope to see you there do you know someone who would benefit from the organic gardener podcast if you like what you hear we'd love it if you'd share the organic gardener podcast with a friend thanks again for listening and remember grow local 